This is the Fathering Project podcast, Figuring It Out Together, where we tackle many challenges facing dads and father figures and explore fathering across all ages, from newborns to toddlers, school age and teenagers. We speak with experts in their fields to help you navigate solutions and positive outcomes for each stage of your fathering journey. Let's figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Fathering Project podcast. Katy Gapayar here and today I'm here with James Brown, who is a registered clinical psychologist and has been working with families for over 15 years. He has a particular interest in assisting men relating to their psychological health and well-being. And in addition to his clinical work, James is also a consultant with the Australian Psychological Society. We're very lucky to also have him as a member of our board here at the Fathering Project. Um, welcome, James. <laughs> Great to have you on board. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be a part of the podcast. Fantastic. Now, our discussion today will be about fathers of children with a disability and managing and looking after their own mental health and well-being so they can be the best dads they can be for their child. So you've had experience working with many men, um, including those who have children with a disability. From your experience working in this space, can you please explain to us some of the feelings father are faced, fathers are faced with when having a child with a disability and what drives these feelings? I think the best way to understand it is to think of it uh, similarly to like a grief reaction. So in other words, um, they're not necessarily grieving the loss of somebody like we do in the cases of bereavement. But what they're grieving is often the, the loss of a dream, the loss of an ideal. So they, uh, whether it was that they've uh, had a child that's born with a disability or a child that you know, encounters some form of disability, let's say through accident or illness, um, uh, as we enter parenting, we obviously have these dreams, these hopes of the relationships that we wish to have with these uh, beautiful uh, humans that come into our world. And so what often a father or any parent, of course, but specifically fathers in this discussion um, is dealing with is a reaction to the loss of that ideal. And so if we think of that as a grief reaction, grief is a number of different stages. And so often as there's the shock of the diagnosis or the information, there's the sometimes there's a bit of a denial process that can happen. Um, and then sometimes there's other emotions that, that come into it as well, like anger reactions or um, uh, even depression can then start to become an issue uh, for fathers in, in that kind of process of grieving for that, that loss that they're encountering. And, and so, yeah, that's probably what drives it, what, what kind of causes those ongoing emotional difficulties that they encounter, um, particularly in those early stages. Um, but also remembering that any kind of um, developmental milestone um, throughout the life of the child can bring about a whole new um, series of reactions in a similar way. So when a child would have normally been, you know, starting school or starting to, you know, do particular activities that uh, they can't do because of their disability, um, that can maybe be another trigger point for some of those grieving reactions. There's a lot of milestones that children go through. So I guess some um, parents, especially fathers, with uh, you know, children with a disability would be facing these on a regular basis. Does that affect their self-esteem and self-worth and ability to father how they want to? Uh, I'd say it definitely uh, uh, causes a sense of uh, a lack of competence. They feel often, you know, fathering generally can be very um, challenging, but 
now they're encountering somebody that not many others around them can relate to or support them around. And so, yeah, they often can feel that they're doing something uh, on their own with no real great inputs and, and can be a real struggle uh, for them, a very lonely struggle for them. Sometimes for them and their partner, it can feel like a very isolated experience. And it's not easy to talk about your feelings and emotions. We all have a tough time doing it. And I'm assuming for men, even more so, how do you encourage fathers to explore and address their emotions in regard to their child's diagnosis so they don't bottle it all up? I guess I have two thoughts that, you know, the, the first thought is I think of it professionally and I think of, you know, how the men that have come to see me over the years have been encouraged often by somebody else to go and talk to somebody and, and that's a hard step. Uh, we know that women are more uh, inclined towards help seeking for their health than men are. Uh, men often um, are a little bit reluctant, although we're seeing changes culturally around that. So the first reaction I have to that question is that, you know, those that are supporting men going through these difficulties, you know, should be encouraging them perhaps to, to seek some professional input if they're really um, having difficulty. What I find is, is quite remarkable is that my experience over many years is once they enter that room with a, a caring health professional, um, I, I find, and I'm sure my colleagues would agree, I, I find that actually they start to open up. Uh, they start to explore those feelings quite well. You know, I, I, I don't think it'd be fair to say that they continue to bottle them. You know, Once they get into that supportive environment, many of them are very grateful for it. And in fact, I've had men that I've continued to see periodically over a number of years that came a little bit reluctantly to start with, but over time became comfortable and appreciated that ongoing support and that environment to talk about uh, their feelings. I, I guess for anybody in a more um, uh, unprofessional setting, you know, families and friends and things like that, you know, um, you know, don't tackle it head on, you know, don't, don't try to challenge somebody to open up. That can sometimes push men more into their corner or cave, you know, sitting by their side, um, you know, uh, just side by side, having general conversations about how things are traveling in life, uh, not tackling it head on can sometimes just help to open up the conversation into areas that maybe they need to go. And, and that can just, you know, help facilitate a good conversation for them. And do you recommend, uh, you know, opening up to a partner in that first instance? Um, and just, you know, as you're saying, just shooting the breeze in terms of how they're traveling, they're each traveling? Yeah, um, that's often what does happen. And, and certainly, you know, that, that's what a good relationship can be for, you know, that our partners are good support people. And uh, sometimes encouraging men to open up to their partners and share their feelings can be really, really helpful. Um, the difficulty in these situations, though, is often their partner is going through their own suffering and difficulty with a child, you know, that they're learning uh, what life is going to be like with managing a disability or, or things like that. So partners do find sometimes that while it is good to support each other and sometimes that's necessary, they often need to seek their own individual support to work through some things that they're dealing with. That's good to know. Um, and parenting a child with a disability means a lot more focus is on the child. And some parents may also look like they're handling it really well, but on the inside, they're not looking after themselves. How can dads find a balance between parenting responsibilities, family, work and self-care? Yeah, I think that the answer is in a way rhetorical, but with great emphasis, which is if you're parenting a child with a disability, uh, you, the strain on those different areas of your life, the, the competing demands of all those different responsibilities are going to feel even more so. And so it's like, 
the best you can do is passionately um, fight uh, for balance between those areas and for your self-care to, to really prioritise your self-care in whatever form that that might take for those dads um, because it is going to be a, a real a strain over a number of years. It's often, you know, classic uh, metaphor is a marathon, not a sprint. So, you know, dads in these situations should be, you know, thinking um, very much about how do I make sure I look after myself in order to then uh, be able to meet the needs of the others that I have responsibilities for and, and including work as well. And would you recommend a daily routine of self-care, some sort of daily routine, like if, you know, dads like to run or if they like to um, meditate or if they like to, you know, throw a ball with mates or whatever it is that reduces the strain on them? Do you recommend that on a daily level or just whenever the opportunity comes up? Yeah, look, if we could all do something daily, that'd be brilliant. Um, but we would acknowledge that it's sometimes hard in, in modern life. But if it happens regularly, uh, that'd be great in whatever form that that takes, um, whether it be exercise or some kind of social setting or club or involvement in some activity, or whether it be some more restorative type of a practice. Um, I actually uh, advocate yoga and I'm not shy of saying that. And I actually go to a men's yoga group and it's fabulous. All men run by a, a man uh, yoga instructor, a male yoga instructor. And, uh, you know, it doesn't look pretty uh, to watch from the outside. But, you know, it's a bunch of guys from all different ranges of ages that this particular yoga instructor has, has really led to take their self-care very, very seriously. And that's what we're all there for. Um, we're not there to be able to put our, our legs behind our backs and be super flexible or whatever. You know, it's a part of our, you know, uh, regular self-care. And most of those guys will do that once or twice a week, right? So, you know, if we can just find something that really meets that need of looking after ourselves on a regular basis, that would be great. And, and for dads with kids with disabilities, you know, sometimes they can think that they shouldn't be doing that, you know, that they've really got to give everything they can to this child that has these, you know, extra needs. And again, it's almost the opposite is true. You know, it's like you really need to do that because you're in for the long haul here for a lot of the dads and you've got to really look after yourself. Yeah, and um, some of those, um, you know, sort of techniques that you're suggesting or strategies you're suggesting like yoga are relatively easily done at home because you can turn on YouTube and there's all sorts of programs that you can join in and just do that in the comfort of your own home. Yeah, exactly right. Um, a lot of these things you can just take 10 minutes and do. Um, if you can get into a routine of doing that, it really does help, yeah. Now, having a child with a disability impacts the whole family. How can dads support their other children and partner as well? Because there's other people in the mix too. Yeah, and um, when, when there are other children, there can be some real difficulties there um, because sometimes uh, the other kids, you know, they can feel like um, their needs may be less important. We can see sometimes children as beautiful as they are. They're sometimes children are great examples to us of, um, you know, putting other needs before themselves, right? And so sometimes we see with... Uh, kids in, in families, you know, where there's a disability uh, present, you know, that they can sometimes be very self-sacrificing of their own needs and, and, you know, become quiet or withdrawn or, you know, not assert themselves around some things that uh, they might be going through or opposite, they might overreact to certain things because they feel that they're being neglected. So parents really struggle, but they do have to be mindful of trying to meet the needs of the other kids in the family. And they especially need to be mindful of their relationship 
Um, you know, many things can test a relationship. We, we know that things like parenting generally can test a relationship um, and financial pressures can test a relationship. Now, you add uh, caring for a child with a disability into that mix and it almost intensifies those matters, although in this era of, um, you know, NDIS with, you know, funding and things like that, that's probably, you know, been a, a, an absolute relief for many, but it still puts a lot of pressure on the ability to earn and, and all those sorts of things. So within the family, you know, we have to be thinking, how do we make sure that the other members are having their needs met? And how is this relationship with the partners being uh, cared for on a regular basis? So a way of thinking about it is that the family is like this executive group of people, like in an organisation. And what we actually are better to do is as much as we strive for family time, like a, a good recommendation for families is generally, you know, doing things as a family, you know, we sometimes would be better to accept that we probably need to break away into little subgroups more regularly, you know, where dad or mum spends one-on-one -on -one time with each of the other kids in the mix and, and prioritises that um, and makes sure that they are, you know, doing those things with purpose around like daddy dates or things like that with the other children in the family. Um, to, to just reach out to them, make sure their needs are being met. But then likewise, in terms of their, their partner, you know, it would be a mistake to neglect that relationship for the sake of managing these other stressors. Um, you know, there's a long journey here, as I said before. So making regular time for that relationship and let it be about everything else, you know, not an opportunity to get together and let's talk about this upcoming medical appointment for our child or therapy for our child or whatever it might be let it be about that relationship and about those you, you know those individuals that came together and love each other and, and and give a lot of time to that relationship that's a real priority um james one of the uh, areas i'd like to explore with you if possible is single or separated dads who may have a child with a disability who might not see their child as often what specific ad advice would you have for them so, yeah, this is a really complicated one. Um, and the, the first is an obvious reaction to that, which is do all you can to remain involved um, in every way, even like, for example, if possible, um, and I know there's lots of caveats to this point, but if possible, if there are medical appointments that are scheduled for the times that you're not meant to be there, not caring for the child of that particular week or day, still try to be there for those appointments. Don't, don't drop out of that loop. Um, there's a really interesting stat. Uh, I think it was in the US where they found that um, once a parent moved out of a particular radius of their child, if you know, post-separation, it was almost like this correlation to the amount of involvement that they would have. So it's this really interesting kind of math equation that says, the closer you are, the more present you are, the more involved you'll be. And that's really important for the long term for the child. Um, and um, as our last question, um, many parents and, you know, single people before they become parents have a support network of friends, of course, who also have kids. Um, when their child is born and there is a child with a disability, uh, it's very difficult to seek support from that network of friends because they're not experiencing the same experiences. They're not going through the same journey as, as you may be. What's your advice for that support network? So people who, are, who don't have a child with a disability but who have a friend, a longtime friend who has a child with a disability, how can they help in the best way they can? 
So, yeah, there's a, a couple of thoughts to that question. Uh, the first would be that um, people with children with disabilities, um, you know, sometimes there's uh, support groups available to them for ch other children or other families with similar disabilities. That can be a really good thing to reach out and connect with because you can feel like you can talk honestly and openly about what it's like for you and what your struggles are and have other people that will feel similarly and have had similar experiences. And that's very normalising for them. And so that would be something maybe that we should encourage uh, families to do uh, with, you know, dads that have a, a child with a disability. You know, a good question to ask them was, you know, are you part of a support network for those particular difficulties? And, and maybe get amongst that because it can really be helpful. Um, the other thing, though, is that, you know, amongst the existing support groups that people have, you know, they really need you. Like sometimes because their trajectory of life doesn't match exactly the same as yours, let's say if you had kids at the same time, you know, they, their trajectory might be going on a little bit of a different path for the, the difficulties that they're encountering, but they really still need you. You know, you're a part of something that helps them feel like themselves, who they've been, you know, what their identity has been shaped by, especially if they've been a friend of yours for a long time. So it's, it, it really is important for people around, you know, dads with, you know, with kids in these particular situations to really keep up that contact and, and just help them to be, the, be themselves and talk about themselves and their lives. And, and sometimes you know, the other interesting thing is that, uh, dads that I've worked with have probably found benefit from support networks um, that have got nothing to do with family life, if that makes sense. Um, I know of, of uh, guys that I've worked with recently, one that I can think of um, on the top of my mind that got um, back involved with playing a particular sport again, having not played for many years because, of course, when his, his child was born, it was very, very, the, the poor uh, uh, daughter was very severely disabled. And so, so much energy was going into the resources and all those sorts of things that was needed. After a long period of time, you know, there was no kind of support or, or social life in his life. So he really made a determined effort to get amongst something that used to make him feel supported and normal and just, you know, who he's always been, you know, who he has been as, a, as an, an individual. And then the social things that flow from that, the catching up after a game or going out for a meal and, and all those sorts of things. And just being able to talk about sport and, you know, silly referee calls, you know, and, and, and things like that to help him to feel like life was fuller and there was lots of other things in his life than just being the dad of a kid with, you know, high needs. So that, that would be another thought that I'd have in reaction to that. Um, in summary, I guess what you're saying is inclusivity is the, the factor that needs to be taken into account by people who don't have a child with a disability who have friends who do. Don't yeah. exclude them. Just include them in everything you're doing and, yeah. um, you know, they can come and go as they feel appropriate to do so. Yeah, absolutely. James, thank you so much for joining us today. We're very grateful um, to have you provide us and our listeners with your expertise and wealth of knowledge on this very important issue of mental health and well-being whilst raising a child with a disability. Listeners, if you're seeking further support or find you're struggling, we encourage you to visit your local GP to get a referral to a local psychologist. This is subsidised under Medicare. And if you are struggling right now, please call Lifeline and Beyond Blue or Men's Line. Australia. The numbers are all on our website. Thank you very much, James, for joining us. And we look forward to having you back on our podcast again very soon. Brilliant. Thank you.